But I will say we can't afford not to record. Which in, in, in layman speak mean we are now going. We're gonna start this one with an introduction. Hey, you're tuning in. This is the Misunderstood Podcast. We're the Moore Brothers. I'm Brian Moore. I'm Darnell Moore. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. What will we be talking about today? Well, we gotta finish up because the last episode we uh, let in with some stories of is that racism with policing things specifically, and we're going to share some of our stories on that. Okay. I'm hoping we can close that out with the advice that we've recently been given because there's a scary point where we're now realizing there are people actually listening to us, and some oh, of those folks, <laughs> some of those folks have given us some advice on on what we can do moving forward. I think we need to give them everybody a way they can contact us to get more advice in because the advice has been super, super helpful. Uh, and then maybe tease into the next episode because I got some questions that I would like to push out to the audience, which, which I think I personally misunderstand. Okay. And so you were going to start with coming to pick me up on a Greyhound bus. Okay, yes. yes. And so I, I'm imagining I'm in Hampton. You were. So I'm in Hampton You were in Hampton and you caught a Greyhound, Greyhound back to Roanoke. And I want to say it was a weird... It was like a, a 11.30 p.m. Oh, my drop-off. So there's almost no difference. I, I've taken Greyhounds and I've taken airplanes. And there's almost no difference, really, between Greyhound and an airplane. Comfort-wise, sitting in that thing, you know, it's about the same. Seat's about the same size. The big difference is a Greyhound goes everywhere but where you need to go yes, yes, first. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so I would get on that bus and we would go like to Fort AP Hill, and then we would. It was just this weird route to get us all, all the way to Roanoke. So, what by car was a like three hour, mm-hmm. four hour trip, usually ended up being a six to eight hour trip. Yeah, getting from Greyhound, which is why I can't understand why you even compare it to an airplane. Because if an airplane, it would be like an hour and a half trip at most. Um. What, but, you're, but you're saying comfort-wise. Comfort-wise. Okay, okay. And there, there are some exceptions. I would say I've been more uncomfortable on airplanes than I've ever been on a bus. Really? Yes. Like, there have been times I've been on an airplane, I've been, like, trying to squeeze in, or I sat next to somebody who was also big, and it was just wildly uncomfortable. And I've never been on a bus where I had been uncomfortable the whole time. I don't know. Usually on a bus, there are half the people on there that don't want to be on that bus. And that, that's the, <laughs> and then there's that few that are on there because they have to be in there. I don't either. They they lack the certain social interactions mm-hmm. to be on a plane. They they, they didn't make the plane cut. <laughs> yeah, I might have been okay because I've always heard like. If you're on the bus and you can't recognize the people that don't have the right social interaction skills, you are the people. Oh. So it might be the reason I don't recognize it is I'm one of those folks. <laughs> I hate to think that might be the case, but it might be. I don't I don't know that I necessarily get social interactions the way I should sometimes. <laughs> All right. Okay. So but it leads us into the social interactions. I'm riding this bus home. Yep. You And you arrive in Roanoke around mm-hmm. 1130 midnight. So, I was I was probably about seventeen or eighteen. Okay. I, no, it was right before I turned eighteen. So, me and our our younger brother Sean, so he had to have been like fourteen. So we're driving down two twenty, and uh, I say to Sean, I say, look, you know, 
there's a cop over there on the left side of the road. So I'd slow down a little bit. But keep in mind, I was probably doing maybe 58 to 60 miles per hour in a 55. But just out of habit, you know, I slow down. See, copy, slow down. Um, and then maybe, you know, five minutes later, he's flashing his lights at us to, to pull over. So for, when he comes to the car, he asks us, you know, where's the radar detector? We don't have a radar detector. He said, you know, I'm going to give you another chance. Tell me where the radar detector is. I said, officer, we, we don't have a radar detector. He said, well, do you mind if I search your vehicle? And me, you know, go ahead. not yeah. knowing or understanding the law, I'm like giving up all my rights. Yeah, man, go ahead and search it. It's a, it's a 1995 Dodge minivan that, <laughs> that that my mother drives. You, you're more than welcome to search. You might find, you know, some, Cheerios in yeah. the seats still. <laughs> <laughs> some food underneath the seats, but you know, you're more than welcome to search. He didn't take me up on the offer, so huh. he said, you know, well, I'm going to cite you for seventy and a fifty-five. So that was my interaction with that, and and um, I I actually I took it to court, but prior to going to court. My, our father warned me. He said, look, you know, I'm going to tell you, you're a 17-year-old kid with earrings in your ear. You're black, and you're about to go before the judge. You're already guilty. And that, that resonated with me, it, and it was true. And actually, going before the judge, first of all, my mother was shocked when the, the judge asked me, how do I plead? And I said, not guilty. I'm a little shocked, too. <laughs> my mom was like, kind of like, where, where did that come from? I had to let him know that I was not guilty. I told him that you know he pulled me over, accused me of having a radar detector. When, he, when I told him I didn't have one, he said he was going to cite me for 70, uh, 55. But I will say, being in Franklin County, this did not go on my record. Okay. Because they all, they, the judge would tend to give you community service. So I spent 12 hours <laughs> in a landfill uh, taking trash from the bottom of the mountain to the top for three Saturdays uh, to get out of that ticket. But I was, you know, charged with being guilty of speeding. Um, and that that was a that was a an ordeal that I had, you know, coming up in, in my first experience with realizing that not the same justice system. Yes, yes. Man, you know and I don't know that I ever realized it was not the same justice system as much as I thought this is the justice system everybody dealt with. It was really kind of mm -hmm. in the Black Lives Matter that I realized that, that there's a disparity. Uh, so that, that's a wild story. I, and to, to me to have been part of that story and to not really even have it, had it resonate. Again, I think part of the reason is because I thought this was normal. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it, it didn't resonate. I've heard this story. I don't think I even connected how close I was to when it happened. Um, and that, so it's wild. And, and the one I was going to describe is here at my house. Um, and it had to be quite a few years ago because right now my daughter is 15 and she was just at the age. So baby eight, nine, when she was at that age where she's getting out of the car on her own and she got out the car, we all went in the house and she left her car door open. And so the first part of the story starts with the police in our town did exactly what I would want them to do. As they were, they patrolled my neighborhood. They saw on my property that my car door was open. They came to check to see if I knew. 
Had somebody broken into your car, they came to check. So, so far, this is a good story. Okay. Police come and knock on my door, and the first officer standing at the front, you know, and it's, this is late at night, so, like, I kind of wake up. So there I got two officers. Kids. There were two officers. I didn't notice the second officer at all. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm in my pajamas, knocks on the door. I open the door, and, and he's, like, really polite. Like, hey, you know, car door's open. We were patrolling the neighborhood, wanted to check to see what was going on. And so as I'm sitting there kind of waking up and, and figuring out what he's talking about, uh, the policeman behind him kind of corrects him. And he's like, have him, you know, stand back and put his hands where you can see him. Okay. So the second officer was the more, you, you believe was a more seasoned officer. Was a more seasoned officer. The officer that was leading, he, I, I felt like afterwards as I kind of put pieces together that one officer was training the other. And, and the way he was training him was, you can't trust anybody. And I don't know if it's a you can't trust, because I've, I've spoken to a lot of police officers and they'll tell things like they can tell instantly when somebody's BSing them. So a lot of times they'll tell me like they can immediately tell when there's a, a problem. And it felt like he was training him to say, like it's a <laughs> if you see, here's, this is a possible problem. This might be the guy that broke into the car and we went inside and put his pajamas on I've seen this case. <laughs> I've seen this I've got pictures before. of his family all over the wall. I'm <laughs> in the shut case. Let's <laughs> some crack on it. Let's some crack on it. And so, you know, that instance happened. And, and police have been to my house uh, a couple times. That was the only time that it was. It, it felt somewhat aggressive. Because um, in, in, uh, there was another instance where the alarm went off and actually ended up alerting, alerting the officers. And, and there was less... To do about that, when I was able to turn the alarm off in front of the officers, they, it was there was it was a lot easier to navigate that that particular situation. So I think a lot did, of it has. Did to do you with invite the them in your home in that instance? I didn't. None of them wanted to come in, and I didn't invite them in, okay. and they never stepped over. Like in any of these instances, the police never came into my house. Okay. So I also have to say, in terms of of limiting their exposure, I think they also did a good job. I don't know what that officer saw that scared him, but. It felt to me like he thought the officer he had put in front had overexposed himself and that he was now in a dangerous situation with me. And he was he was correcting the situation. He was going to have me stand back and let him let, make sure I knew that there was an armed officer that was there to back him up. And I needed to make sure that I was, you know, not a threat. Hmm. Uh, that happened. And, and then I had my car searched in town. And so what time is it now? It's about 8.30. 8.30. It's about this time. About okay. 8.30. Maybe getting a little late. It's, so it's dusk. It's not dark. I got a headlight out on my Chevy Cobalt. And so one, yeah, I'm a 35-year-old man driving a Chevy Cobalt. That's a little bit of a problem, I guess. <laughs> you know, I, I probably should have upgraded to a more adult car, but the car worked great. It was the workhorse of the family. Loved it. Great gas mileage. Great ga Well, it had great gas mileage <laughs> until it didn't. Now you get a bigger car that had the same great gas mileage because we just held on to it too long. But driving that up the street and police pulls behind me, pulls me over. And I go, oh, no, uh, I don't want to get embarrassed because this same thing happened to me. And in, in, uh, when I worked at Farrum College, I had this little Corvair and a policeman pulled me over and then three more policemen pulled in behind them. Mm hmm. So I'm sitting there at Ferrum on this one road while all my coworkers are going back to the office 
with, with me in this car and three policemen behind me. So when this policeman pulls me over, I'm like, oh, I don't want everybody to see me getting pulled over. So I pull in behind Taco Bell on that, that, like, that short road, mm-hmm. and then the it, policeman pulls in behind me. And then all of a sudden I go, oh, crap. Nobody can see me back here. Yeah. <laughs> it, I, I jumped. I extremed. Like, I was I was scared of, of people driving up the street and seeing me pulled over, you know, with all these cops, like happened last time. And then I got to go in and explain to my coworkers. And then I got in here and I was like, man, I wish I was out on the street again. Because now it, it is. It's just his word and mine. I've got nobody who can see anything. And so he, so I, I just, I'm compliant. Anything he asked. So when he asked to search the car, yes. When he, when he patted me down, yes. He, he checked so- anything he wanted. So they asked to search your car. Asked to search my car. Over a, well, you said it was a headlight. Headlight out. I guess. So the, his assumption was that you had something. Yes. Which I think is a good assumption. If you pull over five cars, one of them is going to have something. If the people in the car are under 25, it's like one in three. So I think it's a good assumption to find criminality by just pulling over five people. You're going to get somebody. And so I just happened to be, you know, four, one of the, the other four that didn't have it. I didn't have anything worth finding. And not only that, but, you know, like it was a baby seat in the back. It was <laughs> – I, I was not but a threat. Did they – the officer, when he pulled you over, I'm mm-hmm. sure he saw the baby seat in the back. I imagine before he even questioned you, because they they always look in the back seat for uh, any risk of danger. Mm-hmm. But he saw that car seat back there, and he still asked you if he could search search your vehicle. But the truth is, criminals have kids too. But I, I think the other thing that that kind of scares me is is what if I was going through a difficult part in my life and I'd had marijuana in the car. Or you know, alcohol in the car or, you know, any of the other things that's legal right now <laughs> that six years ago would have got me, you know, sent to jail. Well, do you think that you could have asserted your rights to not have your vehicle searched? Not at the time. Not at the time. I did not understand my rights. As From what I heard, understood then, mm-hmm. I did what I was supposed to. Policeman asked you to do something, you say yes. So that's what I did. I did not understand. It, it really wasn't until the Black Lives Matter movement kind of pushed in that I was like, oh, there, there, are, there are constitutional protections in place for me too. And, and at this point, I can kind of point to the spaces in the Constitution that protect me. And so, so I have more confidence in that. So if this was to happen again, would you handle it differently? Yes. I would be more defiant. I don't think I would. Uh, well, here's what I... From, from my yeah. experience, what happened to me in that courtroom, mm-hmm. it's his word against mine. You know, he pulls me over. I smell weed in your car. I don't touch marijuana. I don't smoke. I haven't smoked since it's been a, a decade. Mm-hmm. His word against mine. And that, that one gets difficult because, because I think you're, you're also right. We, 
I understood, I guess even, even then, exactly what you're saying. Because the reasonableness of an officer. Mm-hmm. So when the courts come in, the idea is it's a good stop if it's reasonable for an officer to have considered that. So would a reasonable officer have asked to see, to, to search a car? In my mind, he was already under the assumption that he was right and you were wrong. The officer or the judge? The officer. You were riding dirty, and he just needed to prove it. That yes. That search in your vehicle. Um, and I, I guess that's what I got out of my court case. Me not having a radar detector. He's still right. I was in the wrong. Even if it meant he fabricated my charge. Yes. I, now, I think what's scary to me is that's not because of a bad policeman. It's because the system of policing we have created requires that. And it, it's a weird space to be in, to be pro-cop, pro-policeman, anti-policing. And I, I'm not certain how to explain that to folks because I have not yet met a Franklin County policeman that I think is a bad person. I've been told like, oh, you know, but all of that, if I, any interaction I've ever had with any of them. I agree. I agree. Has been good. He, even when he, he was nice enough, when he, even when he pulled me over, I was super compliant. He was nice. Wasn't too big a problem. He, when he, when the guy pulled me over at the front desk, it almost at my house, it really did feel to me even then, like he was trying to protect his partner. Like, you need to go into this a little bit more aggressive. Something else could have happened. You opened yourself up more so than this guy's a bad guy. So I don't think there's anything wrong with the police themselves. It's our policing that has to change. And I, I don't know I don't know how liberal Democrats can get that message out. Hmm. Well, I can. I guess we could say that we are, you know, pro-constitution um, to the point where <laughs> we don't want our rights to be violated. We don't want anybody's rights to be violated. That's a good one. But I think what, what's really scaring me now, mm-hmm. and I, and this this is where I really do need to get the the misunderstood fc at gmail.com, like get some answers in here is there it feels like a lot of people who are now willing to abandon the Constitution to hold on to whatever benefits they had prior. It feels exactly like the Civil War. Virginia's secession document said, we reject the U.S. Constitution. We do so for the benefit of the transgressions against other slaveholding states. Like, Virginia said it. It feels like that's the same way, where there's a lot of people going, you know, this Constitution, this democracy, it's not quite what it was cracked up to be. Now that everybody gets it. And that's the part that worries me. I don't know how to make sure people will hold to the Constitution when it doesn't benefit them. Hmm. Um, good question. I mean, do you feel like... Uh, Law enforcement feels that the laws apply to law enforcement. 
I, and I will say that uh, this question arises from the um, in Rocky Mount we had two officers who I've personally met. You know, I would agree with you in saying that you know my interaction <laughs> with them was was nice, was pleasant. <laughs> They're good guys, uh, but they were part of the uh, January sixth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what you want to call it that won't cause any controversy because. Uh, in Franklin County, if you call it an insurrection, uh, people get upset. But I will say, people who uh, entered the Capitol building, um, what word would you say? I said storming. The, the day the day it happened, I was teaching remotely. Well, we can say, let's say trespass Tres- on the, <laughs> the Capitol building. Uh, um, you, you know what? I had one of, one of my former students... Walked across the back of my, like, weirdest shortcut ever. That kid trespassed. He didn't go through a window. <laughs> he didn't come through a door. He walked across my grass in a way that was weird. <laughs> That's trespassing. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, hey, there's okay, honestly well, a shorter well, cut okay. than the one well, you they, just uh, took. They unlawfully <laughs> entered the Capitol building. Okay. Um, I, I think that would be. I think my biggest disappointment with law enforcement was that these are the ones who are upholding the laws. And clearly, they don't feel like these laws apply to them. That's what bothered me the most in this instance. Now, what is your take on this? How, how did... I understand. I think I get it. Because American law is weird. Because mm-hmm. a lot of it's built on precedent. So, if something was okay in the past, it gets to be okay later on. Unless we create a whole new law that says no more. So we actually have to change it. And so for a lot of police officers, every time they step into court, they become part of the law. So that idea of um, reasonable, a, would a reasonable police officer do that in this instance? Well, if, if I've done it last time and I'm still employed, I'm a reasonable officer. So if I do it next time, the answer is yes, a reasonable officer would do it. Now, are you comparing entering a courtroom to entering the Capitol building? It, it is. That's like me entering the grocery store during hours and then breaking the window and then going in when they're closed. One is going to land me in jail. The other is fine. But not if you're a police officer. If you break into Kroger and you catch a bad guy stealing. You're allowed to go in Kroger any time of the day? If no, if the, no, this officer knows he can't enter Kroger. But it really depends. Here's the thing. Right now, we've got lawmakers on the Republican side especially heavily saying, listen, we want everybody who broke into the Capitol building to be forgiven. So if we set a precedent saying if you break into the Capitol building because you don't like the results of an election, you'll be forgiven. You are forgiven. Then the precedent says it is forgivable to do this from here on out. I'd say the small steps most police officers take in solving crime pushes them to this way. But I also have to say this is not a problem of police officers. We constantly ask police to do the impossible. I agree. Regularly. Somebody shows up on our property and they're out of their heads, they're behaving erratically, we call the police. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I want that policeman to do is take that guy away. I don't care how he does it. And we repeatedly put these police officers in this position. And then we should not be surprised when they use that same positioning in a way we don't like all of a sudden. 
So the question is, these officers who have done things for us as citizens that we've wanted, they've removed homeless people when that's not who we should call to remove homeless people, when they've navigated people with mental illness, when they are not the ones we should ask to do that, when they've done all these terrible things, when they mess around and do a terrible thing that we now don't like, how do we come to that officer's defense? And we're not, we're not even trying. And that, that part worries me about how we're treating police officers. It's like we've got this terrible system and police have been feeding people to this system. Now all of a sudden police are getting fed to the system and everybody's like, okay, good job. No, we gotta get rid of the system. <laughs> we can't just feed police to it also. So don't get rid of police, get rid can't of police. Can't get rid of police, we gotta get rid of policing. Okay, I, I can agree. I, I think police officers would agree. I think there's a whole lot of police that as soon as we remove some of these duties from them, they're all of a sudden gonna go, whoa, I like this job a lot better. Yeah. You know, now that I've only got to deal with rational people, now that I'm going to make sure commerce is working, now that I get, you know, two weeks to investigate a robbery instead of just go take the, this message and then go somewhere else, you know, they're going to like the job better too. But we've got to make this bridge. And people have got to give up having police for that function. Because the same way that they've asked police to get rid of homeless people, there's a real belief that they've asked police to limit the number of black people. Make this place uncomfortable for black people so we don't go in there. Make this place uncomfortable for homosexuals, for transgender folks. Police make this place uncomfortable so they're not there. Hmm. Scary thought. It is. I'm not certain where we are with time. Well, um... I'd like to change it on to a different note. Uh, okay. I actually bring up my most recent uh, running with the law, which actually happened um, about two weeks ago. I was uh, leaving the golf course. Uh, I played nine holes with my son. And we've already brought this. We did. Okay. Well, then scratch that stuff. <laughs> I'm getting like but my dad. Why did, let, me, why? let me share it with you two more times. So you can you can listen to this whole ep- whole story in the last episode. Okay, but why is it why is it still resonating? With you, is um, what I would like to know. Because I have never had a positive interaction when being pulled over. Um, Until wait a minute, are you going to tell a positive one? This time was that the story you were about yes, to tell? Yes, I cut you off, man. You did. I did. And this is the wrong story. Well, now you got to share it. Mine had already you, been shared. No, no, no. I was just going to say, the way the officer handled this situation. I'm talking about the other story where, the, where we were at the golf course and he drove off. Yes. That's not the story you're about to tell. No, it wasn't. I know. I, I'm, I'm realizing this and I'm feeling guilty. Oh, okay. Uh, so you got to go. You got to start all the way back over. Oh, God. Okay. And you got to give the name of your car this time. Well, you'll find out out there in the story. <laughs> all right. Uh, my son and I had just finished nine holes, and we were going to stop by the store, but I got a call from Shannon, my wife. She said, hey, your brother's at the house. And I was like, oh, I know if he stays there too long without me, he's going to leave. So <laughs> I, I, I sped a little bit. It, there's this main road that, that is a is a 35-mile-per-hour zone, and I was probably doing about 55 to, to get to my brother so we can hang out and talk. Um, and I passed a police officer. I knew I was, you know, I... I did the little look back, like, please don't let me get pulled over, but he ended up flashing his lights, and um, 
I remember pulling over at a right next to uh, this house of a, a, a girl that my son goes to school with. And I did it on purpose <laughs> because I, I like to make sure that there is a second set of eyes on me when I get pulled over. And it, the mother happened to be out in the yard. Uh, matter of fact, my son rolled down his window and said hi to her, oh. her daughter as we're getting pulled over. But the officer comes to my window and he says, hey, you know, um, in a hurry to get somewhere. I was like, I, I, I apologize. I really was just trying to get to my, my, my brother. We just got done playing some golf. And the conversation was actually pleasant. He wasn't, he didn't come off accusatory. Um, he, he you know, asked me about my vehicle, which it is a Tesla. And he said, this is the first time I pulled over Tesla. <laughs> Won't be his last. I was wondering because you couldn't catch us or. <laughs> or was it because you saw a black person driving? Oh. No, I, I really don't think this officer was racist. Um, matter of fact, I think he was Hispanic himself. Uh, but he, he. I think I know. He uh, <laughs> he was very pleasant. He he asked me several questions about the vehicle. He was he was just fascinated with it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I explained to him they they're actually reasonable. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not a millionaire, but I drive one. <laughs> so, uh, but he he he, uh, he he ended up letting me off. He said, "Hey, I'm going to let you off with a warning. Uh, just just don't do it again." And I guess that restored my faith in 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 police uh, policing because yeah. I. I've never had that happen. I've seen it happen to be people before, but every Just get time a warning. Yes, I. And I have. I've probably gotten. I'm. I'm 41 years old. I. I'll say in my 20s and 30s, I've probably averaged about six citations. Um, and and this was a pleasant interaction with law enforcement. And shout out to the officer for, you know, not making me feel like I had to de-escalate the situation, mm-hmm. um, but, but for making me feel comfortable and, and even acknowledging, you know, my son in the back and, and making him feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So um, and shout scared. out to, to Rocky Mountain Law Enforcement. And scaring you just enough so that you will not speak. <laughs> no, I, will not. <laughs> <laughs> I think both of those things are absolutely necessary. Oh, man. I'm sorry about interrupting no, you, man. I feel fine. terrible. I'm <laughs> my roommate in college. I, I lived with you for the last uh, 20 years. You're used to it. I'm used to it. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. All right. Uh, well, I think I think we're doing pretty good on time. But it's, I think it's about time to go ahead and close this one out. Okay. What are we going to discuss next week? Uh, next week, I've got, I, I think, one, we need to go ahead and shout out uh, the folks that have, have been listening that have listened through this particular episode and some of the advice that they've given us on how to improve the show. Yes. Uh, and I think we need to go ahead and try and take that advice. Yes. Uh, consistency has been a big one. Consistency. We've heard from, from several, several mm-hmm. of our listeners. We got to be consistent with the broadcasting our, our uh, episodes. Um, my brother-in-law, he, he had an uh, amusing story and, and it was, he was really amused that we called some of them beta. He's like, man, you've been in tech for, for six months now. and <laughs> Stop those, calling it. Yeah, stop calling it beta. <laughs> I, I can always count on my brother-in-law to keep it real with me. Yeah, yeah. And I, like, such a cool brother-in-law, we've just gone ahead and stolen him, also our family. As, <laughs> I, as with yours. As uncle. <laughs> as uncle, we're, everybody's we're, uncle. We're so close. Like, even, shoot, your brother-in-law, I've adopted him, too. <laughs> yeah. 
So when he brings some over, I'm like, oh, man, we just inherited this. <laughs> now, I saw a T-shirt. I'm not bold enough to try because I don't think it'll work. Uh, but I got I saw, saw a uh, – it's either a shirt or a mug for your mother-in-law that says, my son-in-law is my favorite son. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't think I can try it out. I'm, oh, shoot. I'm definitely going to try it out. My brother-in-law would appreciate the humor. I, I think my brother-in-law would appreciate the humor. I don't think my mother-in-law is going for it. <laughs> I'm not in the ranking. <laughs> I'm yeah. second. <laughs> that, yeah, that might be pushing it for my mother. Uh, if I can just get a picture out of it, though. I'm yes. Gonna... See, that, I didn't think that far. This is why I got to air these things. I need to go ahead and, and uh, just get a picture. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> he, he would get a kick out of that. Uh, all right. So that, this so I guess also a minutes. shout out to uh, Rebecca and Ed Saunders. Yes. Hey. Absolutely. For uh, not only listening to the episode, but questioning us. <laughs> <laughs> the question, I, I'm going to repeat the question. Which one? The, my, my favorite question. Oh, about when am I going to get my master's degree? Master uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, I think he did a great job of kind of pointing us in, in some directions for some future episodes. One to finish this episode uh, was one that he asked us to make sure we finish telling some of these stories. Um, I think we definitely need to touch on a lot of the prior service, the, the, the folks that have served in the military that have come back to Franklin County yes. and how this county can, should, and is, you know, welcoming, welcoming back our veterans. Because we have a very patriotic county. Yes. But I don't know that we, I don't know that, I don't know how we support. I always think about. Well, I, I think we've talked about this. For future episodes, we would definitely like to get uh, members of the armed forces mm-hmm. uh, active, uh, inactive uh, veterans in here, um, uh, any members of the uh, disabled uh, veterans, no, DAV, um, American Legion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess this is this is kind of one of those first shout outs. If you know somebody who would, uh, who feels misunderstood, who feels like they have a platform that they'd like to speak about, pass our number on to them. And if you've got our number, if you've got my number, you're welcome to pass it out. If you don't have my number, ask me for it. I'll give it to you. Yeah, Facebook page is coming. Facebook page is So coming. you won't be able to reach us. And look, we welcome any comments, feedback. Um, if it's a little more harsh, be prepared to get feedback on your own. No. <laughs> but yes, uh, any feedback is welcome. Okay. I can't hear it now, but I imagine about this time the music is in. We're fading on out because this is the, the close of this particular episode. Uh, but I've got to say, next episode, I've got some really difficult questions. And I'd like to go ahead, if it's okay, to have the Trump episode next. The Donald J. Trump episode. I mean, it's got to happen. Where are we going? Which, okay. Oh, I'm, I'm game. Okay. I'm game. Silence, it's creeping in darkness. But why look for answers when there's nothing to prove? Give me a savior, it takes me away. Give me a blanket and a space for my head. When time descends like an old stage curtain on the
asking to hold on to something for it melts down like ice and if we could listen we'd hear back the laughter there's no one ever wades through the same river